Rhythm, a crazy podcast about DC, with your host E-Rock and PD, when we speak up, get your geeks up, cause you know you got to get geeked up, so sit back, relax, and get comfy, lose your mind like Solomon Grundy, and listen to a show that won't be forgotten, coming straight out of Gotham. Gotham City. Welcome to another episode of Straight Outta Gotham, episode 68. We are a fandom pop culture podcast and a proud member of the Batman Podcast Network, hosted by Batman on Film. Make sure you check out all the other great shows on the network by heading on over to batmanonfilm.com. Click the drop down tag and uh, just uh, check out ba- uh, Batman on Film Podcast, uh, Rick Shoe Satellite Show, um, uh, Make Micah's Col- Colony, Colonial, whatever uh, Deathstroke calls his podcast. ELTD and the Batman Book Club. Uh, there's a bunch of other stuff there, so make sure you check out all that stuff. Uh, there's a bunch of great shows on the network. I'm your co-host from the other side of the Hudson River. I'm a senior contributor to Batman on Film. I'm Peter R. Vera, and today we're recording on March 13th, 2022. And as always, I have a great show for you today. But before we get into the good stuff, I would like to remind you, all of our faithful listeners, if you take the time to rate and review our show on Apple Podcasts, and we read your review on air, you win a Straight out of Gotham prize pack. So you got to be in it to win it. Make sure you write those reviews like your Rotten Tomatoes. Now, let me introduce you to my partner in crime, the man who won Long Pond's 1986 Crocodile Wrestling Championship, our very own Killer Croc, and a fellow Batman on film contributor. Ladies and gentlemen, the champion of Long Island, Eric Holzman. Oh, man, that 10-year-old division was tough. I've got to tell you that. And luckily, you, they were like baby crocs, so I didn't have so to you like... So fight, you don't fight like adult crocodiles. You're no, fighting like baby no, crocs. No, no, of course, especially at that age. Well, like at I... your age, you were very advanced. I mean, you're going on like your 57th championship <laughs> right now. So, yeah, well, now, yeah. But it, it's been, you know, it's rough. It's a rough, rough thing to do, and crocodiles are a little bit more uh, um, aggressive than alligators. I don't know if you knew that, but they are. Mm-hmm. So it was fun when I moved to Florida and I would tell this story and they would want me to go to Alligator Alley very quickly and say, okay, we want to see you test your, test your muscle here. Okay. Uh, but I have to say in the four years I lived in Florida, I never once saw an alligator in Alligator Alley. They were scared of you. They knew I, you were there. That's, that's, that has to be Don't it. they have I mean, like a good, uh, like, I could be wrong on this, but don't alligators have like a good sense of smell or something like that? Maybe, maybe you have like a scent. They do, and what they don't, they since their eyes are positioned on the side, they don't see as well. Mm-hmm. That's why they say like if you're if you're getting chased by one, to run in a ragged direction because they won't, they can't see you that if you do Interesting. that. Interesting. Okay. Their way. So yeah, so these are just little tidbits, guys. If, I'm not Steve Irwin or anything or his no, kids. No, you're not dead. I'm, well, yeah, that's 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 a good point. I am not dead, so that's that's a good point. We've but, eaten alligator together. Yes, we have. When we were doing the for the Joker show, when we were looking for a place to go in Manhattan, we stopped at that English bar, mm-hmm. and they had alligator, and we both, yeah, we had that, and I believe we had escargot too. Did it? We did. Did it? We have snails. Uh, that was at a different place, but yes, we did. Yeah, we had alligator we and escargot, and we were like. These might be too bougie for our crowd. <laughs> it's it's good enough for Rick Shue, but it's oh. <laughs> we're more of a, a, a you know, pizza and beer crowd, as Tommy Lee Jones would say. So speaking of Rick Shue, uh, we got to spend time with Rick last week at the Batman on Film Watch Party in Dallas, which for the Batman, which was a fantastic time. It's always fun. I had hear. the best time with Rick Shue. I want you to know that. <laughs> well, yeah, Rick. I mean, it was fun to see Rick. We we both finally got to meet Garrett and and Ryan Lauer, which was. Which was fun, because uh, as we talked to them every day, it was cool to finally get to sit down with them and have mm-hmm. some beers and talk and 
and break bread and eat. You know, Gumbo. Like, gum, yes, Bill. Bill, thank you so much, man. I, I said this in the group, but I really mean it. You did not have to do all that stuff you did. You went above and beyond. It was awesome. Staff um, party was a good time. Yes, we had a really good time that night. Uh, the food, the gumbo, finally, I got to eat it, and it was fantastic. I think I don't think anyone enjoyed it as much as your brother, though, Pete. I think Mikey... He really, my, yeah, Mikey really liked the gumbo. Um, <laughs> I did. I've never had like I could. I had a hard time figuring out what I liked more. Actually, the chicken and sausage and the seafood, but that uh, that boudin sausage was uh, pretty impressive. Yeah, man, you you killed that stuff. You that ate. was. I mean, I love sausage, but I've never had sausage taste like that. Not with like ri- dirty rice, and it was just. It was so unique. I was I was really fascinated by it, and so- I actually found out that the Louisiana Crawfish Company sells. Boudin sausage. So ah. for the crawfish party this year, uh, you can bet we're going to have some of that in the smoker. And how was uh, you stayed an extra day? So mm-hmm. you got to go back to Bill's and have jambalaya. How was the jambalaya? It was delicious. All it right. was. It was good. He's a good cook. Yeah, I enjoy. Uh, I, I enjoy the authentic Cajun cooking. Uh, it was probably my first like real jump. I say my first authentic jambalaya that I had. Like I've had jambalaya before, but like. I live in New Jersey. Like, you know, <laughs> I'll claim we have the best pizza in the world. I can't claim we have the best jambalaya. It's funny because for I usually host a Mardi Gras celebration for my family, and I'll make jambalaya. Mm-hmm. So I'm I was upset I didn't stay because I would have loved to taste see Bill's to see how I could better mine because I'm sure it was better than mine. But um, yeah, I was tried just to weird. get you all to stay on Monday. No one wanted you did. to stay. You did, but at uh, least I got you all to stay in the same hotel. We turned it into a BOF frat house. Yes, the hotel was great except for the bar, uh, because on the first two nights it closed at like ten o'clock, and we were like, "What the hell is this? Like, where are we gonna?" But what's know. great about Texas is you can buy beer anywhere. That's a good point as well. Yeah, <laughs> so that was... we were buying beer at gas stations, like yeah. that's unheard of in, in our in uh, in the tri-state area up here in the Northeast. So on like... the first uh, the first night, the Thursday night, Pete of uh, after he went to the Mavericks game and we came back. The bar was closed, so he had got beer. We all went back to his room, and we were all drinking there. It was fun. It was a fun. It did feel like that part definitely felt like a frat house. We were just hanging mm. out in someone's room, we're drinking, and yeah, uh, it was fun. So again, we had an awesome time. Bill, thank you once again for hosting that great event. It was yeah. awesome. I want to give a shout out to um, Chris Burke, Trey Jackson, uh, who were on the who are here on Guest Month, who were so mm-hmm. of our guests. We finally got to meet them as well. Awesome people. It was great to hear um, Burke's accent in person. Right? Yeah, that was it's, awesome. I, as well. I could. I, I I can't wait to go to Wisconsin. I got to hang out with that guy. <laughs> Just eat cheese curds and listen to him talk all day. So it's awesome to meet them. Matt Sharif, who's a fan of the show, he was awesome. there. He's great. Awesome to meet him and his cousin. The Ballard uh, brothers were there. The Ballard the guys brothers running the Schumacher Cut. They were there. They're great dudes. Yes, that was awesome. James, meaning James, was awesome too. I know mm-hmm. he's a longtime BOF fan. Was awesome to meet him. Javi, getting to actually meet Javi and hang out with Javi, yeah, uh, was awesome. Uh, and Javi picking the killer brunch spot on a, last Sunday, man, that was that, that was place good. was fantastic. Yes, it was. So uh, that cinnamon bun, I'm still, I still have like dreams about that thing. That thing was, <laughs> it was so good. It was, uh, a, it was huge. Yes, it was quite a big cinnamon bun. But uh, we're we're gonna. We have a little surprise. We're going to kind of extend guest month at least by a week um, and have a friend who we have talked about. We've name dropped him many times on this show. And um, not many people know his voice, which is actually very interesting. A lot of people, when I said, we're going to have this person on, they're like, I've never heard him speak. And I know I tell people, and I told this to Lauer last night. I said, well, 
if you want any idea, if you want to go into it, like kind of warm up, like just watch any Mark Tambor door interview. <laughs> and uh, they have very similar voices and accents. So I'm sure that gives it away for some people, but we're going north of the border for this one. We are. This is our second Canadian. We have Brian Damaso on, right? So now we're having. He's from Toronto. I yes. mean, the Ontario so, area. So, yeah. So now we're having someone from Montreal. A great friend of ours, great friend Viva of the show. Los Expos. Yes, of course. I'm talking about Reno. He's like Madonna. You don't have to. You only say his name, his first He's name. Share. He's like He's Cher. Cher. Yeah, Madonna. He doesn't have a last name. So Reno, what's going on, brother? Greetings, maniacs. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> hello, everyone. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm the first uh, ESL guest on Straight Out of Gotham. So that should yes. be interesting. <laughs> And he's also the only person in Montreal who didn't want the Canadians to win the cup last night. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> I couldn't care less. Yeah, to say coffee. Reno thinks outside the box. <laughs> That's the crazy thing. He's one of the only Canadians I know who doesn't care about hockey. Like, yep. he doesn't care. It's their national path that he doesn't care. But he does care about Batman, as we know. And, uh, he, and Jared Leto's Joker. Yes, he loves Jared Leto's Joker. That's sarcasm. You didn't answer. (laughs) I think my opinion on Jared Leto has been very well documented on this show. Uh, At this point, I feel like it's. We've said it without you even being on. Yes. It's going to be on my tombstone someday. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. So. We're gonna this show, guys. We're gonna we're gonna pretty much focus on the Batman. Uh, we have a couple mm-hmm. other topics we might get through, but we're gonna focus on the Batman. And um, because of the style of movie that's done, uh, Reno was a perfect guest. Uh, he loves this kind of this kind of um, this John this kind of genre, the noir. Uh, what's it called? Um, detective style story that's that serial killers, mass murderers, right? Yeah. Like he's he's he's, he's a crazy very, dude. <laughs> He's very much into that that part. So I, when we were talking about having someone on for guest month, I was like, um, he said, well, why about after the Batman? I was like, yeah, that's fine. We could do it after. So thank you, man, for coming on. We're, we'll have a good time. You know how the show rolls, so I won't have to stop or prompt you or anything. This will be, this will be a really, really fun hour, hour and 10, depending on how long we go. Uh, so very quickly. Uh, Pete, I'll let you run with with your feelings on just your overall feelings, of course, on the Batman. Uh, we haven't spoken about this publicly yet. We spoke obviously to each other. We saw the movies. You were the, that was your first viewing when you as saw of right it now. It's actually my only viewing. I'm going to see it. I'm going after the show to see it again the second time. So I'm very excited. All right. So from your first viewing, because I've seen it twice, I've only mm-hmm. seen it twice. So from your first viewing, go ahead and tell everyone what you thought. Uh, to be honest, I loved it uh, from start to finish. Um, it's it's been what 10 years since we've got a solo batman movie that's really my wheelhouse and i couldn't have been happier especially with how like the last five to seven years have gone for just not just well not specifically batman on film but the character batman on film you know like, yes it's been a rough road to finally get on track um with batman doing batman things strictly in gotham city um and to be honest, this isn't like people want to call this a solo Batman movie. This is a team up movie. This is a buddy cop movie. This is Batman and Gordon the whole way through. And it's very unique because it's 95% Batman, <laughs> 5% Bruce Wayne. Yeah. Um, Colin Farrell was magical as Oswald. I mean, just, I just, uh, I haven't enjoyed an overweight man in the mafia that much since uh, Tony <laughs> Soprano. 
Uh, you know, uh, John Turturro was probably the one, the actor who stole the show for me. I thought every time he was on screen, I, I just wanted more. He was magical, especially the end with him and Selena. I thought that was just a fantastic fight. Uh, I just, th- there's nothing I don't like about this movie at all. Um, you know, I, I just, I'm so happy. The car's great. The bike was great. Uh, just, I, it's, it's, it's wonderful. It just is like, I'm so happy with this. And you know, there, it seems like Warner brothers is very pleased and we're going to get more from this world. It seems like it'll be self-contained. So it won't have any, you know, uh, anything else inter- interfering with it. And I'm totally fine with that. Uh, because we'll get more fantastical elements from uh, the Keaton Batman when he comes back. And, uh, you know, like this is as realistic as they tried to do. This is probably the most comic booky Batman's ever been, you know, so it's really the best of both worlds, in my opinion. Yeah, it's definitely a very graphic novel. Um, like you could see this as a graphic novel, right? Like you could that's the kind of lane I feel like this movie mm-hmm. was done in. Um, but yeah, all the influences that Reeves mentioned before that we've talked about repeatedly on the show, they're all present in this movie. Um, so you're right, man. It, I, I, I spoke a little about it on Josh Lagern's show earlier in the week. So if you guys saw that, you kind of got my feelings. I'll talk about oh, it. Oh, I keep tabs on you. <laughs> I'll talk about it a little bit more, but I want to get, I really want to hear Reno's feelings. I, I know we've talked about it already, but I want him to tell everyone, Reno, what'd you think of the Batman? I adore this movie. Uh, I went in really expecting to be uh, up my alley because of the more uh, detective focus angle. Uh, as you've mentioned before, mm-hmm. I'm very much into uh, true crime, uh, serial killers, stuff like that. Uh, not that I'm, I'm not a fan of what they do, but like true crime, I'm a true crime buff. I think nowadays it's uh it's not that uncommon for people to be into that stuff. I've studied criminology. So uh, everything that I've heard from Matt Reeves uh, regarding the the angle that he wanted to tackle for that movie uh, really spoke to me. So I kind of knew that I would like it. Um, <clears throat> but I try not to overhype myself too much. And when I saw the movie, like I was floored by how much I loved it. Um Look, the Dark Mount, the Dark Knight is my favorite movie of all time, but I feel like the Batman is now a very strong contender to that title. Uh, they're on par as far as I'm concerned. Uh, everything, the performances, uh, there's not a single false note as for, as far as I'm concerned. Um, the aesthetics, everything, it feels very comic booky. I was surprised by the amount of uh, Batman lore that we got in that film. That yes. was completely uh straight out of the, out of the comics so i was very pleased straight out of gotham it. yeah yeah straight out of gotham <laughs> in the tv show which you adore um <clears throat> oh, <geez>. <laughs> <laughs> i took you a few minutes right <laughs> uh <laughs> So, yeah, uh, I've seen it four times by now. I'm planning on seeing a fifth time probably Tuesday or Wednesday. Um, I I just can't get enough of that movie, man. Everything about it really spoke to me. Uh, I like that all of the characters are not really uh, black or white. They are treated like people, like real people. Mm-hmm. So it's not as much as... Uh, Good versus evil. There are a lot of nuances in that movie. And yeah, that's pretty much what I'm into. Reno, you had, you were very, let's say, hesitant about the score going in. 
Absolutely. Now that you've seen the film and you see the score in the movie, how do you feel about the score now? I love the score. Um, I okay, would say so you've completely pro- changed. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Okay. I would say it's uh, probably my favorite work from Giacchino, which is saying something. Because as, as you've mentioned, when they release uh, the, the singles, uh, the Batman one, I really didn't like. Uh, I was a fan of the portion mm-hmm. we had been teased with in the trailers and uh, the teaser from uh, Fandom 2020. But for some reason, like the more uh, emotional part in the middle, it, it just kind of felt like something straight out of uh, Lord of the Rings or maybe like a, a emo drama. It, it didn't really, it didn't really feel like Batman to me. But looking back, I, I feel like those singles, like. That portion wasn't really the theme. It was incidental music that it kind of jammed in between. Like it's promotional material, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, when I look at the actual score itself, uh, I've listened to it on loop since. I, I really get the uh, <clears throat> the detective tone, which I was sold on from the teasers, and that was my main concern. As you've said. Uh, uh, after listening to the first two single, I was really worried about that. Uh, the Catwoman single I've enjoyed. It felt very noir, very uh, seductive, mm. uh, femme fatale. Uh, it had a certain element of danger to it. Um, but yeah, uh, once that I've listened to the score in context, I fell in love with it. Yeah, I've been listening to it a lot myself, just having it on in the background around the house and stuff. And I've really, I've really grown to really appreciate this score. And, uh, you know, it just, the more I listen to it, the more I enjoy it. I can't really rank it amongst other scores. Just, it's so new. It's like ranking the movie. You know, I, mm. I'm having a hard, I don't know where this movie falls for me just because it's so brand new. And it's, <laughs> you know, we're going, you know, it, it's hard for me to rank just amongst like movies that I've been watching for 20 years. Right. You know, it's, it's going to take some time before I can get either of those in there in a solid. Cause I, as you know, Reno knows, I love the golden fall score. Like I think that's actually pretty, pretty fun and energetic. And I really appreciate that. What they were doing. Elfman is a, is in a class of his own and Zimmer of course is, is a A lister, but it's going to be really tough to rank these, but I loved it. I thought it was great. It really fit in tone with the movie. And I was just, it really was just an emotional force with the film. Just like watching that movie and hearing that music, like they just go hand in hand and it's like, wow, this fits so perfectly together. Yeah. I, I told everyone that I was, I only listened to the Batman theme when the single was dropping. I didn't listen to the other songs because I just wanted to hear them in the movie. And mm-hmm. it did, it works in the film so much better than just listening to it for me. And now that you have those visuals in your head, you can see the scenes as right. you listen to it. Yeah, You can see it. So it makes a lot more sense. I think the music for the, the story being told is perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, I really, really enjoyed that part of it. Uh, it's so creepy and eerie. It's yeah. very horror film, right? It just, and it fits in tone because like this Riddler is so unhinged. He's so scary. Like when he first pops up on screen, like you kind of get, the, it's kind of like a jump scare, you know, when he's in the mayor's room mm-hmm. and then when he kills him, he, he he makes like these weird noises. Like he's so unhinged, you know, like that first kill, when he goes down, he's like, you know, and you're like, oh, wow, this is, this is intense. <laughs> So like, and I didn't mention the Riddler when I talked about the movie early on, and I know he caught a lot of heat because he wears a, a different mask these days and he doesn't have a pink flat top. <laughs> but um, you know, I I, I thought Daryl crushed it, man. Like, 
or a bright green suit with yeah i mean he he was he was disturbed in that arkham scene right when he's captured and like him and batman are talking and he's on he looks evil and sadistic in his youtube videos but it's sometimes he's you could tell he's just a guy who wants essentially friends right it's yeah. kind of like the whole movie like he's he's latched onto these he's almost a zaddy like he's latched onto these crazy weird people on on the internet and youtube and then all of a sudden he thinks batman's his friend and he's not and then when that doesn't come to fruition he goes crazy and loses it all together so it's very interesting what uh reeves and dano came up with and i'm i'm fascinated by this riddler yeah i, I mean he's one of the very many uh, great performances that we've gotten in this movie, but you're right. This this was probably the farthest reach I think of any of the characters that people were weren't used to because mm-hmm. of the look and and because of the way they were going. And I mean, Dano just plays these kinds of roles so well that uh, when he was cast, I'm like, you kind of knew they were going a different direction. I would say, like, I don't you don't cast Paul Dano to be Jim Carrey's Riddler, right? You you cast him to be a specific type of, of character. I wasn't familiar with him, but he's apparently, this is like his thing. Like he's, he's, yeah. he plays like these crazy unhinged characters. Did you ever see, if you get a chance, watch prisoners. Okay. Um, yes. He was, yeah, he was very good in prisoners, uh, different kind of film, but it, it's, it's a good performance by him. So Reno, um, outside of the Riddler, who were your uh, and oh you could talk about him too but what who, what was your favorite performance uh from the movie <clears throat> uh it's kind of hard to pick it would be between Pattinson and Kravitz um I cuz I think everyone really gave a spectacular spectacular performance so uh, as i've said earlier there's no false note um to pick a favorite yeah it's pattinson or kravitz though uh colin farrell wouldn't be uh, far behind uh every time he's on screen he steals the show uh there's not a lot of him though so i i would be tempted to say that might be why he's not really uh, my favorite performance of the film though it only left me wanting more of Colin Farrell's Penguin. So, yeah. But Kravitz, man, uh, I really have to say, um, I think we've never had a bad Catwoman actress. I think that's pretty fair. Uh, actress, but then that horrible movie. Without yeah, yeah. <laughs> Great that actress, one, bad yeah, movie. Yes. <laughs> Th- that one I do not count when I say we've never had a bad Catwoman, to be honest, because... To me, it I feels like a, a completely different character, and it's not even set in Gotham, so it's very right. loosely connected. So I'm thinking about uh, the three actresses from the sixty uh, the sixty six uh, version. I'm mm-hmm. thinking about Michelle Pfeiffer, uh, Han Hathaway, uh, even the, um, Cameron Bicondova. I think her name is the lady yeah. who played Catwoman. Yeah, she was on one Gotham. of the better things about Gotham. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think she, yeah, she was one of the very few uh, performances worth watching. Um, and now Kravitz, and I have to say, like until last week, my favorite was still uh, Julie Newmar, and Kravitz really sh- she stole the crown. Uh, to be fair, though, she's given a little bit more to do than some previous Catwoman we've had. There are more nuances to her, more depth. So she had more to work with, but really, mm-hmm. uh, 
that's another one. I know we're not getting a show based on Catwoman. There were rumors about it about a year ago or two. Uh, I would love it if maybe there would be a change of heart, a change of plan, and they would give her either a show or a movie because I definitely want to see I think more. that's a possibility. I mean, with yeah. the way the movie ended, you know, like yes. I can't imagine anyone saying no to that show at this point. You know, it's it's like you said, like, we, you know, we know Oswald's going to get a spinoff and yes. like, you want more of that. Absolutely. So, and you're going to get that, which is great. So, like, I can't – and with the way that movie ended, like, I was like, wow. Like, I was like, yeah, I want that Catwoman show now, you know? I mean, <laughs> I'm cool if I don't get it, but I'm with I think, it. I think when the movie ended, we all just wanted more of whatever we could get. Yeah. Like, you know, like, you're just like, okay, what? how else could we do that? And we well, <laughs> all – we do know – we do know that Reeves is building, right, a Batman universe – um, so who knows what's going to come from it, but I agree with Reno, uh, with standout performances. I, for me, it was Colin Farrell. I do agree with him that he, uh, he doesn't, he's not in the movie a ton, but when he is in the movie, every scene is memorable. I do not. I, I agree with you a hundred percent. Every single one of his seeds you remember, uh, he's the comic relief in this, in the film. So he, it, the, hey, film, <laughs> the film is so heavy that it's nice to have this guy come in and, and joke around a little bit, even though you do have, and let's quickly go to the, you brought up the buddy cop moment, the buddy cop story thing. And there's a lot of that. And there's humor between Batman and Gordon. Yeah. No um, guns. Hey buddy, that's your thing. Like, right. With the thumb great. drive, the thumb drive. And then yeah. actually, it's an actual thumb. Like it was, it was subtly done, but it was very well, well placed in the film and it was just at the right times i felt too like when you things might be getting a little too much you they throw in a thing like oh these are still people even right? something like even in that intense interrogation room scene where like batman's picking out the crooked cops in the police station and him and gordon which is one of the most fascinating scenes in the moody movie and I'm, I'm sitting there and i'm like what is going on what are they doing they're okay they're talking and he's like gordon's like you're gonna punch me in the face I'm like <laughs> What is going on right now? And then it leads up into that great uh, chase through um, the GCPD up to the up to the wings, uh, the squirrel suit scene. So you're just like, there's so many interesting moments between Batman and Gordon, you know, even uh, when uh, when Selena uh, captures uh, what's his name. And and Batman and Gordon meet up and they're like, you didn't send the signal? Oh, I thought it was you. You know, like, oh, wow. Okay, that's cool. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there's a lot of surprises in there. Um I, w- I wanted to know what you guys thought of this. I think this may be as as one film the greatest cinematic like arc of for one movie of Batman ever. You know, like the trilogy is as a whole is three movies, and, and they they all rely on each other so much. But this one movie going from you know vengeance, I'm vengeance when he's beating up the guys in the train station to that, to the man, to the, basically the person he saves being completely afraid of them, asking not to hurt him to the end where that girl on the gurney grabs his bicep because he's the only person she trusts. Right. Like that, there is a, such a turn between, you know, what he is in the beginning of the movie to what he has become now. And even though he didn't necessarily save the city, he, he kind of saved the day at some point. It's, it's really interesting to me how that jump from the beginning of the movie to the end. Yeah, Rito, go ahead. You can answer. Yeah, I agree with you. I think the Batman is a full meal. Let's say we wouldn't be getting any sequels nor any spinoff. I would still be okay with that movie because it tells a complete story. Um, I agree. It's a very rare thing these days uh, because every movie is built with a franchise in mind or 
well, not every movie, but most of them. Uh, it's so rare that we get one-offs. Like we had one with Joker, but uh, mm-hmm. with Batman, like hopefully, it's... hopefully. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't want a sequel. Like <laughs> I love that movie, but I do not want a sequel to Joker. But yeah, uh, just getting mm-hmm. a full meal with Batman like that, I thought was really interesting. Uh, the story arc, as you've mentioned, I think it's the strongest we've had so far. It's the one that felt the most Batman uh, in every way. Like it's, he's a lot on screen, but also like the the themes and everything. Yeah. Um, if I compare it with the I Dark Knight you... trilogy, oh, like no. it's uh, it's a very different type of story, but because. Batman Begins can totally stand on its own. Uh, the Dark Knight as well. I do feel that The Dark Knight Rises requires viewing from the previous two films, or at least Batman yeah. Begins. Yeah. Um, but with the Batman, yeah, it tells a complete story. Uh, it's yeah, it's definitely the best story arc we've had so far. No question there. When you talk about like the comic book elements, like there's just so many like the lenses, you know, that he uses yeah. the contact lenses to spy and to, to like review his missions. Like that's like that's you know Nolan would never do that. Like Nolan, <laughs> Nolan was so grounded, he wouldn't attempt anything like that. And it's fascinating. And then you could tell the love that Reeves has for '66 when Batman's running down the wall. You know, like that. It's that's straight out of the TV show. Um, and the bust, the Shakespeare. Yeah, bust that that's in, in there as well. Manner, yeah, um, the phone. Just, and too. again, from the design of the cowl, the phone. Yeah. Just it's you could tell Reeves is such a fan of Batman. He may be the biggest Batman fan to ever direct Batman in a movie, and I think that's I think the proof's in the pudding there. And I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, and he gave, like I said, this is the first movie, like we've all said, this is the first movie where Batman is front and center almost the entire film. He's almost and that's in- like any comic book. Like, you yeah. read a comic book, yeah. you, you don't get a whole lot of Bruce Wayne, really. No. It's, you, you're getting Batman, and that's what we all want. We want to see a lot of Batman. And it's funny, because this is, it's almost, this movie is almost the complete opposite of Dark Knight Rises. You know, Rises is a movie that is basically all about Bruce Wayne and Batman comes in at the end. He's a little bit in the beginning, but it's, it's mostly all Bruce Wayne and the Batman and it's an end. Right. But the Batman is a beginning and it's all Batman. So they're the the two movies are kind of the total opposite of each other. And that's, what's great about this character is you could do so much about him. You know, you can do a movie basically entirely about Bruce Wayne or you can do a movie entirely about Batman. Yeah. Batman. Yeah. So also be titled Bruce Wayne begins in some ways. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah well, he's finding well he's finding yeah. himself in all aspects you know like i think that scene with him and alfred where he's like i don't care what happens to me you could tell he's and the two scenes where he's dealing with tweedledee and tweedledum at the door you know awesome. who i am there's no difference in this movie between batman and bruce wayne he hasn't figured that out yet right and that's very interesting because like if you if you want to compare it to like kind of like a begins origin story by the time bruce gets on that plane apart from the mud He's basically, you know, he's got Bruce Wayne and Batman figured out, you know, like he, you know, he, he, you know, once he's doing his pushups, he figures out he's got to create a different playboy persona. And, but in the Batman, he doesn't know what to do right now. He's all in Batman mode. Yeah. I mean, he does, he like the, what the Riddler says with his being his mask, right? Like Mm -hmm. that's his mask. Like that, that's, he's just not, he's not comfortable as Bruce Wayne. He's comfortable when he's Batman. And you can mm-hmm. see that in the movie because 
even the sh- scenes we get him as Bruce Wayne, like two few seconds later, he's Batman already. Yeah. So it's very much um, that kind of a story. And I, like Reno said, Bruce Wayne begins like at, by the end, you can kind of see, OK, now we're probably going to move into the more of the more playboy type of role that we know Bruce Wayne is throughout his history. But yeah, th- I mean, this film, like you both said, could be its very own thing. If we never got a sequel, it'd be fine. It's complete Batman movie. We have a complete arc, for, like you said. Can you imagine the-, the outrage on Twitter? I mean, oh, they, God. people freaked out about release dates being shifted. Can you imagine <laughs> if the Batman 2 didn't get made? <laughs> yeah, man. That would Let's be, get the, the hashtag trending. Um... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Make- well, we ki- we did kind of get confirmation, right, from the little thing that happened on Friday that that uh that cipher right didn't it say that the sequel's coming uh, um, i believe yeah but I, I believe bof has also been reported that you know the batman 2 has been in the works and yeah i think reeves has said it at some point like he's got ideas so like i, I mean and look the, the movie's a success so it, we're not going to get a spin-off tv show and not a sequel right so as a, <laughs> it all goes so, hand in hand so as of now what's the latest box office number for it so far just to throw that out there real quick i believe Someone sent it this morning, and I'm sorry. Uh, it's I have no idea. I I, I don't know. I believe it's a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, <it's, laughs> that's probably the best way to put it. Yes, it's called it's a, it's a success. I believe that's what it is. Yes, yeah. I think it only yeah. got like a uh, the drop isn't that significant. It's it, it's like the it's what, domestic- fourth best bat opening for a DC movie all time. Its domestic um opening is two hundred thirty eight point five in the two weekends that it's been open. So two hundred thirty eight point five million. Um, domestically for the first two weeks that it's been out, which is very, very good. It only had a, what, 50% drop, I think, or which is fantastic um, from opening to the other. So clearly people do care about the Batman. So you well, guys- you can, heard him say it. You, guys you heard him can, say it. He finally <laughs> admitted it. There we go, Lois. Well done. I hope Woodburn's listening. But- <laughs> But let, let, let's let's focus a little bit more on a couple of the things from the film. So a big deal was made when it was first released of the car. And how it was not very, um, not, I guess, tradition. There's been Batmobiles that have looked like this car before. Let's not be, you know, but it's not more of the more fantastical ones, I guess, that people are used to. Yeah, it doesn't have neon blue and it doesn't right. have wings. I guess. Right, it, it yeah. doesn't have that sleek looking style. It doesn't. It looks sleek to me. <laughs> so, you know, it looks. It's a muscle car. This this version is basically a muscle car. It could be Vin Diesel's car from Fast and the Furious. <laughs> Vin Diesel cannot drive. Vin Diesel can't handle it. I don't care how big his biceps are. He can't it, drive this car. It could. So let's just talk about it because the car is another character in this movie, right? Like we it's could just great. put him in there. So I'll turn to Reno first. Uh, Reno, I don't know. I don't have to discuss your feelings about the car. So tell us about the evolution and then what you saw in the movie and, and what you think about this Batmobile. Uh, when I f- first saw the pictures of the car, it didn't do uh, anything to me, to be honest. I, I wasn't uh, outraged like some people were. Uh, I'm not a car person, just a disclaimer. So, uh, I mean, I like the Batmobiles. Uh, the 66 is probably my favorite we've had. Uh, and then the Anton first. But that one, uh, it ranks up there, really. Uh, when I saw it in context, I thought it was uh, fantastic. It's intimidating as hell. The sound it makes. Mm. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I've got no complaint about the car. Uh, I get some people would 
like it to be a little bit more uh, toyetic, so to speak. Uh, but I had no mm-hmm. problem. Just let's see how it works on screen. And I thought they did a really good job with it. And I have the kind of same opinion with the Bat Cycle. Mm-hmm. All right, I so, think this car's Toyota because all hell, I got five different versions of it in my house. Like, I'm so let, you, you know what I mean, so right? They, talk, they like these little yes, gadgets. I know, I got you. So let's talk about the the evolution of the car because the first time we see it, it's not fully completed, right? Like he's working yeah. on it. We see parts of it outside. Mm. It's kind of sitting there in the back cave or the bat, whatever that is. If it's not really a cave yet, I the don't terminal, know. Wayne right, terminal. The, the, the Wayne Terminal. Um, it's kind of just sitting there, and then the, then we don't get it until we actually see it. And it is a force. The of comparison nature. to Christine is perfect because that's exactly what I thought of when I saw it. When you see the movie Christine with the car, when you see the Batwheel first, you just hear it revving, and then he's just like total intimidation mode. And it's funny when I was watching that, I thought of the scene in of the dark Knight where it says intimidate before the car explodes. Yes. Like I started with all these other Batman references in my head when that part was happening. And then of course you get the, um, the fire coming out the back. I thought of, of course the 66 show where you get that coming out. Turbines of speed. The turbines are right. right, Everything kind of just tied into this one car at that point for me. And I was iffy on the car too, because I kind of like the fantastical elements a little more, but in this world, in this film, it is perfect. That chase scene is fantastic. Yeah, um, it's such a such a it was it's such a good call, which just makes me feel more confident that this guy exact knows exactly what he's doing. Um, so Pete, your feelings on the car? I know you were fine with it from the beginning, but in the yeah, movie, yeah. To be honest, I was more like I remember that first picture of the tumbler with the it was that back shot, and you just see the back tires that was on BF. I remember the first time I saw that, I had more of a, like a jarring reaction. I was like, whoa, this is. Monster truck tires on the Batwheel. What is Nolan doing? But when I first saw this, I was like, I was like, this is like straight up Neil Adams inspired right. to me. You know that 1970s car, and I, I love muscle cars, so I was all about it. And you know, like I'm looking at, I got, a, I got the Jaded toys right now, and it, it's got the back. It's got a little wing action. Um, you know, again, it's got the great turbine engine in the back. Um, when we first see it, it, it that engine revs up. And the you know the, the grill kind of lights up and it just, it looks like a monster you know <laughs> it, it looks ferocious and intense and then when it flies through the flames like to knock out Ozzy I was like wow this is great I hope the car didn't get flooded out <laughs> you know, I don't know where he parked that thing because <laughs> I know Gotham City's underwater right now so I hope it makes its uh, return but I I got no issues with the car I liked what Reeves was doing. Um, you know, the, it, it, if I had one complaint is you got to have a passenger seat if you got to have a Robin, right. Um, it is, but, uh, it's, it looks just like a beast. It, it functions great. I, I, I loved every moment I saw it on screen. Um, my favorite car, it's going to be very hard from anyone to dethrone Anton first Batmobile. Right. It just will be. But, uh, this, this is a, this is going to be pretty high up there on, on the, on the rankings. I think it might, it might end up being like a two or a three for me. Yeah, I, I definitely picked firsts, um, and then the '66 one, just because for nostalgia reasons. That's no, know. I get it, and, that, and like I use the '66 car a lot in reference to this because, like, if you can accept the '66 car as a Batmobile, there's no reason not to accept this as a Batmobile. Because I'm looking at the McFarlane Toys Batmobile, I was like, what makes that? What makes that '66 car a Batmobile? Is it the bubble windshield? Is it the Bat logo on the doors? Right. Is it the siren on top? Like, you tell me why that's acceptable as a Batmobile. 
and this one isn't. And I'm talking to you, Justin Kowalski, because you're the one who had the problem with the car to begin with. So, like, I don't get it. Like, it looks like a Batmobile to me. It kicks ass. The engine's loud. It goes 450 miles per hour, and it's got it's got flames coming out the ass. It's a Batmobile. Like, I'm sorry, it is. And it's anyone who's complaining about the aesthetic of this movie is insane to me because it all works. You're right. Like in everything in context in this film that I had issues with, whether it be the music or the car in the in the film, it just worked perfectly. It's just a very it's just a perfect fit for what we saw and what Reeves gave us. Um, Again, like Reno brought up the bat cycle. I didn't even realize earlier in the film that it had the front. Did it have it the whole movie? Because it did. Right. I didn't realize earlier. No, he, he only gets it at the end of the movie. Okay. Yeah, yeah. He right. has a, he has like a right. regular motorcycle. Right when he's bruised. The, okay. When he's, I, I believe they call it the drifter. Okay. When he's in like year one face paint and hood mode. So yeah, so it's it's weird that in a lot of the other films we sit, get more Batmobile, and this one we get one specific chase scene, and it's just fantastic. Like it's it's such a good. I feel like you you get one good Batmobile scene in every Batman movie. Though. Yeah, but. I feel like it's more. There's also times where he's just using it to get around. If we, mm. This in this movie, it was strictly the bike. Whatever he was getting around, he was using the bike. Uh, so, Pete, you brought up the earlier the escape from the GCPD when when you know he's he punches Gordon obviously, and then they're they're all chasing after him like oh I gotta get him, and then he goes he uses the first time we see him use the um. The wingsuit. I guess it's the grapple gun. I don't know. The the, the taxi driver grapple gun? Yeah. <laughs> oh, the gra- now, the, the, the cool gun, thing yeah. about that was... The cool thing about that was we finally got... We finally know what those things are around his wrist, right? Those are just... That's what I assumed. I assumed <laughs> that it, it, it like the, the grapple gun pops out of his, his sleeve taxi driver style. Yeah. And those like spikes are essentially the grapnel. Or, right. Or, or the hook, whatever the you want to call it. Yeah. I, don't know the, yeah. I don't know what the technical term is. But that, that's what I figured. Um, I, you know, everyone was trying to figure out what these things were. And then if you look at the Funko Pop, he's posed and they're coming out of his wrists. So you're like, oh, there's no grapple gun there. So there, there it was, <laughs> it's not totally, I'm more confused about how the wingsuit works than anything else in the movie. <laughs> you know, that's like the one's like, how did he do that? How's that thing like fold everywhere? Right. In a movie that's pretty grounded, that's the one scene where I'm like, okay, that's a very big comic book moment right there when he, he the parachute gets caught on the bridge. He kind of goes flipping fall and then he gets up and he's hurt, but he's not like that would probably kill somebody <laughs> for real. Well, it's a good thing he's wearing armor. <laughs> right. So like that would probably kill people for real. I think so, the most comic book thing for me has to be those contact lenses. Yeah. Does technology like that even exist? I have no idea. No. You know, it's <laughs> that's the most out of this world thing I think in the movie. It's something so, that you'd right. see in a James Bond film. More than a Batman right. movie. Yes, it is. Yeah. It's very cute. Yeah. So Reno, you're the you're of the three of us. You're definitely the biggest cinephile. I will say, um, you pro- you know more about movies th- than anyone else I know. So of all the references that Reeves mentioned before the film, yes. um, which one of those movies, whether it be Chinatown or Clued or um, I'm forgetting the other one he mentioned, um, was it one like the Third Man or something like that. Which of those movies did you think was represented the most in this one, in the Batman? Uh, so pretty good question. I would be tempted to say uh, <laughs> both Seven and Clute. Um, okay. I, there were some moments that I thought about movies which Reeves didn't mention. 
the first scene with the Riddler when he kills a bear, like it felt like something out of uh, an Italian giallo from the 70s. Uh, there's a lot of stuff mm-hmm. in that film that uh, that reminded me of uh, 70s cinema, uh, not just American, as I've said, like Italy as well. Uh, I... Uh, I thought about Dirty Harry, the the opening shot. Uh, I know some people have uh, compared it to a uh, conversation, but I I was more reminded of that scene uh, uh, with the crosshair when the Scorpio killer is uh, targeting the woman on the pool. Mm-hmm. Um, I caught some of the references to uh, some novels which he mentioned were a source of inspiration. Uh, I think he brought up uh, Blood on the Moon by James Elroy. Um, obviously Zodiac by uh, Robert Graysmith, which, yeah, the book is definitely more uh, an influence than the Fincher movie. Uh, both the Fincher movie and the book, though, take some pretty big liberties in terms of uh, of facts. I know the book by Graysmith is now very uh, controversial amongst zodiologists because there's stuff people believe he made up completely uh, in order to uh, fit his um, his preferred suspect rather than just treating the facts. I have no opinion personally on that. Uh, I can't really say uh, what was uh, Graysmith's intent, but I do see uh, a connection between some stuff in that book and what we had on screen, uh, especially with the way the Riddler was portrayed. Um, definitely, it's not just the Zodiac. Uh, however, like I know some people say uh, this isn't the Riddler. It's just the Zodiac in a green suit. <laughs> Uh, yeah, 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 we've heard okay. those. <laughs> sure. Uh, I, I think it's a very... Uh, That's hyper- another dumb hot take. Yeah, it's very hyperbolic. It's, uh, the Zodiac was never uh, politically motivated or anything like that. Uh, there's a bit of a, a, a blend of different type of crimes that happen in real life as well as some stuff that the, he took from crime films and crime novels. So, yeah. Uh, maybe I gave you a little bit uh, too much uh, for what your question was. I went beyond <laughs> the movies, uh, just like the influences, no. of course. But yeah, if I'm thinking about, about the stuff that isn't really Batman related, uh, all of the films that you've mentioned, I I did see like uh, Chinatown. There's definitely some things that fell reminiscent mm-hmm. from it. Uh, but re- really, it's the Batman Catwoman uh, relationship that felt very much like Clute. Even like the cinematography, mm-hmm. like uh, how the the blacks are, uh, the shades of black. I'm not talking like freaking American people, just to make sure. Like, <laughs> no, we got you. <laughs> no, no. Look, uh, English... we know what you mean. We know yeah, what you yeah, mean. Yeah, 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 I know. But look, as I said. English is my second language, so sometimes I may <laughs> clown myself a little bit or say uh, things that will it's come okay. out completely wrong. So I just want to make sure that I'm understood clearly here. I'm talking about the color black. <laughs> and uh, yeah, how the the scenes are lit. Yeah, it's very much clued. Even like The Godfather, it's the same cinematographer. So maybe that's why I'm seeing right. a connection there. Uh, yeah. 
got nothing to yeah, add. Yeah, like, I. <laughs> <laughs> well, I. I mean, I've obviously I haven't seen all of those, but I've seen some of them, and they definitely did. Um, there are parts where I was like, okay, that from that, or that's from this film, um, or that I can definitely see the influence there. But the way it's constructed and pieced together to fit into this just really new, it still feels fresh and new, right? It still feels like something we've never seen before in a lot of ways. And uh, that's just, again, a testament to to this guy and his love of the character. Now, remember, we were all worried that the script was taking so long. And we're like, I, why, I wasn't. Why is this t- process being like drawn out? And we, we wanted a little bit more than we were getting. I think the end product should allay all those concerns now. Like we understand now why um, he took his time and, uh, you know, he put together, he crafted this just tremendous, tremendous film. So you brought up the Batwoman. I mean, sorry, that's sorry. Yeah. Batwoman's great. Season three. <laughs> I read my reviews on Batwoman on film. I know you got Batwoman on the brain. I knew I'd get to you, Holzman. I knew it. <laughs> that, no, sorry. That was a slip. I meant to say. Audience slip. You got Batwoman on the brain. He brought up the Batman-Catwoman relationship, <laughs> which is very, of course, central to this to this movie. Um, it's the first time I think we've ever seen it this intricate and this intimate. Uh, obviously, the other films that Catwoman was in, it's there, but it's a little different. This one felt definitely deeper, in my estimation. I think the, I think it I think it's as as deep as the one in Batman Returns. I think that Bruce and Selena relationship's really good. That Batman-Catwoman relationship's very good. Um, I, I, I did find it interesting. It, it seemed that, uh, because it's mostly Batman and not Bruce Wayne, right? She doesn't know about Bruce Wayne. Um, I thought that this one was very interesting because at the end of the movie, he's looking back and you could tell he's catching some feelings. Yeah. You know, like yeah. I find it interesting that he doesn't kiss her throughout the movie. She kisses him. But at the end, they made, they made a point of showing that he looks in that rearview mirror. Like he's. He's looking for her and he's looking at her. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah. And he kind of leans in right at the end when they're having the discussion. And he stops like, himself, you know? Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, that's that's who Bruce Wayne is. That's who Batman is. Yeah. But that their dynamic and their chemistry, I, I've heard people say it wasn't good. I'm like, what are you talking about? It was fantastic. <laughs> I don't know what they were watching. Like, I'm like, where does that even come from? They were great. They, I mean, it's just... We- I kind of, I often ask myself this question, like, what movie, are we watching the same film? Because I didn't get any of that. Like, that's nothing. That was not an issue for me, even from the beginning. And I had issues the first time I saw it. Uh, but by the time I saw it last week, all of those were gone. Uh, so the Bat, the Batman-Catwoman relationship, Reno, what did you think of that dynamic in the film? I think we've not had a Batman Catwoman relationship with that much chemistry since Adam West and Julie Newmar. <laughs> Even more so than Pfeiffer and Keaton. Yes. One hundred percent. And I, I like, that's just personal opinion. I think Bale and Hathaway, um, like their performances were good, but they didn't really have that much chemistry on screen. Th- that's just my opinion. Right. Like feel free to uh, throw stones at me. Uh, but that's how I felt. <laughs> I'll throw um, pebbles. Someone throw stones. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> Pfeiffer and Keaton had chemistry, but with uh, Kravitz and Pattinson, it was really uh, raw. Yeah. Yeah. The And Pfeiffer and Keaton had actual chemistry because they had dated. So <laughs> they, yes. like, they had had that, um, that real life relationship. 
kind of melded into that. But the their their storylines interconnect, and it's very they're both mm-hmm. very true to the characters that we've known for for their existence, right? Like Selena's still kind of on the edge; mm-hmm. she's very much plays that role, and you know, Batman is Batman. He's the same guy, maybe a little bit more brutal in here, but he's still the same guy morally down to what he believes. And um, that, that relationship really drives the film for me. She's a very important part to the movie. Yeah. She's very integral to the plot of the movie. Yeah. Like she's the second. So I didn't get to talk. Yeah. Yeah, she is. Yeah, she is. So a couple characters, um, Pete, you mentioned uh, Falcone, Tutoro's Falcone. I'm oh, sorry, Tutoro's Falcone. Well, no, that's a tongue twister. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned him, um, which I agree with you. Your assessment was that it was kind of the surprise. I wasn't expecting, yeah. but I agree with you. He was fantastic. He's another one like Farrell, like wasn't in the movie a whole lot, but when he was, you felt it. Yeah. You know, and it was such, and him and Farrell delivered such vintage mafia portrayals, like I, I wrote one, I made one of those like fake little movie review memes. And I said like Farrell leans more towards casino than comic book. And I stand by that. Like these guys, like these guys are like straight out of like a, a David chase mafia yeah. movie, right? Like it, 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 Francis Ford Coppola, you know, like the, the top Scorsese, mafia, yeah. Scorsese, like these guys who are just known for these great mafia uh, portrayals and writings. And it, it, it the, this, Gotham City crime lord aspect of the movie really fits in tone with that, even more so than what Wilkinson and, and Roberts did in the trilogy. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Like getting, I think getting an Italian too to play <laughs> a mobster was kind of yes. good, uh, kind of a little bit more authentic, right? Like add some authenticity. So, Reno, what do you think of Totoro's performance? I thought he was fantastic, and as you said, having an Italian American play that part was. Uh, Breath of fresh air, much needed compared to no complaints uh, here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, Tom Wilkinson is a great actor. He gave a very good performance in Begins, but it's that thing, right? You're picking a Brit to play an Italian American, and I'm not saying it can't be done, but it really didn't feel as authentic as when you have John Turturro on screen. Um, you're you really you really can't understate that thing uh you felt that he was very much more in his helmet yeah oh yeah and he's yeah. such a great character actor like i've said this before he's the best thing in those transformers movies you know he's hysterical <laughs> on monk he, he 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 has so much range where to see him deliver this like dark and evil character who is he responsible for the Wayne murders? Is he just playing Bruce Wayne? He's a master manipulator. He's, you know, he's, he's messing around with all these girls in the club. Like you see these scenes and like this guy, he did such a great job of playing such a wonderful, like just mafioso character. It's so accurate to what these guys really are. I was like, wow. Like, and we've seen we've seen uh, mafia bosses in Batman. We mentioned the trilogy: Carl Grissom, Jack Napier. But I think Totoro might have been the best out of all of what we've seen in terms of like, mafia guys in there. And, and I was like, wow! And that final scene with him and Catwoman fighting, uh, or Selena, I should say, like, and he's got her with the pool cue. And I was like, man, he's really going. He's really going to do this. Like this guy's ruthless. He's 
this woman's 150 pounds. He's just going to strangle her. I know. You know, he did a great job. He just was pure evil. And when he's walking out of the club with Batman and he's just talking shit and he's like, you think you're going to intimidate me with that cape and that cow? Like, nah, pal, not a big deal. You know, it, it was really like he, he was really a, just a monster. Yeah, the performance, again, it was surprising. Uh, I didn't, he, you're right, he's not in it a lot, but um, he slays every scene he's in. It's just, it's just such a such a really solid performance. And yes, I liked Tom Wilkinson, but obviously the um, authenticity that we get from having an Italian play uh, a mobster, you know, it made a lot, it made it a little, a little bit, gave it that extra kick to it for me. Um, but you can't deny how great Wilkinson is, you know, that, that's oh, no. power you can't buy. No, no, he's, you know, like that scene in begins is epic. He's good outside of the accent being a little bit much for the for me in that film, but it was fine. Like it's just a little bit too much for me. Like, okay, we get it. You're trying to play this part and it's a little strong, but it, it, it he's fantastic in that movie as well. So one of the things that came out in this version of the character was that Falcone is Selena's father. So what did you feel? Um, about the, at that element. Did you like it? Yes. It, yes. It? Loved it. When she claws his face, I gave a fist. It was my only like real, in most of the movie, like I, <laughs> there were three instances where I actually showed reaction to the movie. Like there was one time I looked at Rick and I was like, this is awesome. <laughs> and the other time I looked at my brother and I was like, this is awesome. And then she claws and then uh, Selena claws uh, Falcone's face. And I gave a fist pump. I was like, that's it. That's great. Like, I love that moment. So like I was all for it. Um, I, I would love to maybe a Catwoman when in Rome, like kind of if that's what the Catwoman show would have been, I would have loved that. But it's just, it's not, like I said earlier, like you tell Reeves is just Reeves has done so much homework. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I would love to know what he read Batman wise, you know, aside from like ego long Halloween, obviously there's a lot of year one in there. Yes. But you're like, man, dude, like you are just pulling left and right. It's, it's such a pleasure to watch winks and nods be done so well. Cause sometimes I think, Sometimes they're just they're too overdone, or they they try too hard to get them in there, and I don't think that's the case with this movie. I think they're all just perfectly placed. Yeah, yeah if, these... I mean, it definitely. No, go ahead, Reno. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, what Pete just mentioned, I really enjoy how all these uh, nods and winks, these Easter eggs, didn't call attention on themselves. Uh, nowadays, uh, most movies they they really try to spotlight these things uh, to the point that it becomes distracting. As far as I'm concerned, uh, it takes away from the storytelling. But here, they actually use those references to flesh out the universe more properly. Yeah, they definitely. I mean, I feel like the people who who aren't readers can fit in and just fall in like it's brand new stuff for them. And then that guys like you who are much more avid readers will be like, oh, yes, like that was great. Like, like you said, you were getting excited and, and yeah. fist bumping. And that's that's the awesome thing about this movie. Uh, it just really has something for everyone in it. And it, you can be a complete novice and go in and and absorb it. There are some things that maybe you'd be confused about or they will add a little bit to it if you do know more of the history. But I don't think it's a prerequisite uh, to know something about about the characters or about any of the story the character stories uh, the last character i kind of want to focus on is alfred uh andy circus plays alfred in here again we don't get a lot of him he's very integral to the story as it goes on um but the weird dynamic that they built here obviously is he 
he wanted he should have been a father figure and he he couldn't be for whatever reason um he couldn't be that for him and he feel like he should have been that and we get that touching scene after alfred of co- of course the bomb goes off in wayne manor and i thought they killed him me too <laughs> i, was I like, did no. and we get that scene in the hospital uh after he great. finds out like oh you lied to me and then he goes through and he explains all the stuff about his father uh that's the one scene in the film where I'm kind of like, that's a very quick shift for me. Um, how Bruce was angry. And then it just very quickly goes away when he explains the story. Um, that's if that had well, one, I think you could see the trust he does have in Alfred. That's why he was so upset with why he thought he lied to him. You know, like they, they do have a relationship. It's probably not the strongest relationship that we've seen. And also like Alfred's not in the movie a whole lot either. Yeah. Right? It may be the, the, like the one knock, any true Batman fan can have is well, Alfred's not in it. And like, you know, I know he, at one point he's unconscious and in the, in the, excuse me, in the hospital. But uh, you know, I, I don't have a problem with it. Like, again, like I got really very few, if I have a minor gripe, it's one of the smallest gripes, but yeah, like that was the, that's the one thing I'll say that, that, that moment felt very rushed, but that's the only thing in the film that I felt that way about Reno. I know you told me yesterday that, or a couple of days ago that you're kind of, you didn't really care for Alfred, but again, you said the reason was because. Yeah. Yeah. He's I not really, really in it. I didn't really care for that Alfred, but I believe it was on purpose because through the whole movie, you're seeing it. Uh, you're seeing it through uh, Bruce's eyes. And at that point, uh, he doesn't seem to care about Alfred that much. So from my personal reading, I was under the impression the audience is not supposed to care about him that much yet. Hopefully that will change with uh, the movies, uh, the sequels, or maybe if he appears mm-hmm. in one of the spinoffs or whatever. Um, I would have liked to get a little bit more from, from him. Um, <clears throat> it would be one of my really minor nitpick about the film as well. Alfred. Like I, I think need more. I think it goes to what you were saying, Reno. We're just like, you know, we're, we're not really supposed to care about Alfred in a sense because Bruce Wayne doesn't care about anything but being Batman. Yeah, you know, like this this Bruce Wayne is is almost an afterthought. Like the the only reason he goes to the mayor's funeral is to basically just like do, you know do research, right? Like he, he it's not there because he wants Bruce Wayne to be seen. He's doing it because Batman needs to do some homework. So it, it basically Bruce, and I think the new mayor was very integral in, uh, you know, pointing that out to Bruce at the feeling like, Hey, you could be doing a lot more for the city. You know, we need Bruce Wayne. And right. I think that, I think that's a very important part that will be explored in future movies uh, when we get those. But I'm agree. I, I agree with you. Like, I don't think we were supposed to care because it just, I, because Bruce Wayne doesn't care. All he cares about is putting on that cowl. Yeah, that's a very fair assessment. He you, you starts to shift a little bit when he knows that the bomb is there and he calls. You, you even hear his voice change. Because he's talking as Bruce Wayne at that point. Yeah, he's talking. Yeah. Right. So you hear that. Uh, that's the part where he's kind of shifting. He's like, oh, crap. Like, he's all I have. And he even says that at the hospital. He's like, there's no one else. It's just mm-hmm. me. Uh, so, yeah, th- it starts to shift towards the end. But you're right. He's very much an, uh, like normally Alfred's very integral and very much like in part of the with with in lockstep with Bruce and in this he's kind of just there to guide him and push him in certain directions and pull him back to being Bruce Wayne every once in a while uh so let's get it let, let I'm gonna clap guys and get a round of applause right 
But I'm not talking about the Batman, because today I'm excited to announce Manscaped launched their ultra ultra premium collection. Believe it or not, it's for your not-so-private parts. I'm talking about a leveled-up hygiene routine with your favorite manly scent. This is an all-in-one skin and hair care kit for the everyday man and covers you from head to toe, literally. Manscaped is trusted below the waist. Now trust them with the rest. Join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with our code Gotham. So yeah, so Pete and I always talk about um, how Manscaped keeps our our man parts nice nice and trim and clean. Mm -hmm. But now they actually have... Um, products for above the waist. They have a new deodorant that's coming out. They have a body moisturizer. There's a body wash, a two-in-one shampoo, and they also have lip balm. So they're, they're uh, while we like to take care of the guys so down you're below. you're telling me that the rest of my body can be as soft as my balls? Like, yes. That's amazing. Yes. I'm, I'm ready telling for you this. That. I'm ready for it too, man. And and we will be getting product. <laughs> we will, they will be sending us. We haven't gotten to try these out yet, guys, but they're going to be sending it to us. So Pete and I will get to be a little bit more firsthand um, and tell mm. you about it. So, I hope it's as good as that crop preserver because I love that. So, in fact, it's time for my daily uh, my daily routine on the show here. As you guys can see, I got a little I got a little dab of crop preserver on the palm of my hand. <laughs> Reno can see it. I'm just gonna let me just applicate that, and uh, you guys can finish your conversation. So yeah, so Reno, <laughs> um, what do you think, Manscaped? Would you, would you like to give this a try? Would you like to, you know, have the 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 shampoo and the body wash? If you don't have their products, man, you really should. That should get them. God, this stuff smells great. <laughs> the scent, the scent is fantastic. It is. It's and all of it's the same. Like they don't change it for different body parts. It's one scent. You get it all over. Uh, it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. So I've should... got tender balls now because of Manscaped. <laughs> like it, they're like they're they're tender. How are your balls, Reno? Your yeah, balls okay? I, I'm pretty sure uh, when you use Manscaped, it doesn't look like a crime scene afterwards, unlike if you, you're doing it with a uh, Mac tree from Gillette or whatever. Yeah. can be a little bit Yeah, messy. no, there, there, there's, there's uh, no nicks, no cuts, no blood spots. You, yeah. You know, uh, I don't need Batman to look for a bloody footprint in my bathroom after I've done Manscaping, I'll tell you that much. So, so guys, if you get this new collection... We recommend you using them in this order. You hop in the shower, do a little scrubbing with the body wash, lather up your hair with the two-in-one shampoo, dry off and spray on the hydrating body moisturizer, then put on the deodorant, and then put on the lip balm to protect those lips because you never know who you're going to kiss during the day. Could be a lucky day for you guys. You get get to kiss someone. You never want to have those chapped lips because, you know, that's never a good thing. So definitely follow those directions and you'll be all good. So once again, get 20% off and free shipping with the code Gotham at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code Gotham at manscaped.com. The power of attraction is now in a bottle. Thanks to Manscaped. Go to hell, Cupid. We got Manscaped. <laughs> I feel like Oz, I feel like Oswald could use Manscaped. I don't know if of all the characters in that movie, I feel like he's the one. That could probably use use it the he most. Prob- he probably needs it. Yeah, he doesn't look <laughs> like a groomer to me. I agree. Maybe he's the Riddler, little sloppy. Right? Maybe the Riddler sloppy. might use it as well. Maybe he, he, I don't know if he can. I don't know if they're going to let him use the lawnmower 4.0 in Arkham. Well, not in Arkham, but <laughs> maybe uh, prior to prior to his arrest, maybe he had some uh, cling wrap around his balls to avoid leaving something. <laughs> he DNA. could. I mean, for, for DNA reasons, obviously. <laughs> All right, so speaking of um, the Riddler being in Arkham, we get two 
pretty big scenes. The first one, of course, is him in the bat face off with him in Batman. Um, when Batman trying finally figures out everything, and then he leaves one last riddle in the apartment about everything that's going on, and then he goes back and sees him, and the Riddler kind of reveals the plan and then batman kind of thinks he knows who he is for real and then it turns out he doesn't know who he is who he is and he's kind of ambiguous but we find out at that point that the riddler of course has bombed all the seawalls and that happens while he's there and it leads to the very great um third act which is honestly one of the best third acts in a batman movie that we've ever gotten yeah um in my opinion and um so we get that little scene there which I think is as good as the interrogation scene in Dark Knight. Like I really do. Not I think it's up there. For me, you don't like that? No, I do like it. I do like it. It's very good, but it's not that scene to me is one of my favorite scenes in any movie I've ever seen in my life. Like that interrogation scene in, in The Dark Knight is fantastic. It's just a master class of acting. You look like too. a big epilogue fan too. I, mean, <laughs> I know Reno is. <laughs> the epilogue, yeah. Yeah. Reach around. Let's everyone yeah, go for reach around. The, yeah. With all those uh, little implications that I might enjoy that scene, uh, I think I should maybe lawyer it up and send a cease and desist to you guys. <laughs> <laughs> so what did you, real quick, Rito, what did you think of the scene in Arkham between the Riddler and Batman? I loved it. Uh, the performances were excellent. I really like when uh, Paul is it Dano or Dano? I don't know how he pronounces. I believe it's Dano. Dano. Yeah, because I've PD. You want to call heard PD? it both ways. Anyway, I I really enjoyed his performance. He had a very uh, man-child quality to him, which I think is very yes. appropriate for the Riddler. Uh, his little meltdown really made me laugh. On purpose. I don't think it was uh, unintentionally uh, humor. I wouldn't say that it's as good as the interrogation scene with the Joker and the Dark Knight either. Uh, I agree with you, Herrick. I think it's one of the best scenes in cinema. It's right up there with uh, the diner scene in Heat by Michael Mann. Uh, but it's certainly one of my favorite moments uh, in the movie. Yeah, I agree. I definitely agree with that. It's one of the best moments of the film. Um, so, but Pete, what is what? I know you obviously you loved it. What 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 about you? What for you made it stand out? Like, what's the thing that? Well, it, it's just the transformation and basically how the Riddler snaps, how he thinks. It's it's such an interesting angle on how the Riddler thinks he's working with Batman the whole time, and how he thinks together in Arkham they can like watch their achievements and relish in that moment. Whereas, you know, Batman's just like, no, you're really insane. Like, you belong here all by yourself. And then Riddler hears that and he snaps and he loses it. And you, you hear that, what Reno said, that man shot, like, that's a great way to explain. Like, he, the Riddler feels like he just lost his best friend and he completely goes bonkers, you know? And you see, like, you can kind of get a hint of that when he's making, like, his YouTube videos and stuff. His voice changes. He doesn't, like, when he wants to be terrifying, he can be. But when he's, like, talking to his audience, he's very soft. You know, when he's talking to like those, those, the basically what would be the other Riddlers out there and basically right. the arena. So for me, it was kind of, it was watching Dano snap, whereas like Ledger is so calm throughout that whole scene in, in interrogation from, you know, like, where are they to like, you think you have power and stuff like that. And it's just, you know, I'm like, and it's, it's the opposite. Like Dano loses it, you know? And yeah. for me, I'm like, wow, he is just, 
He, I'm so captivated right now, and you're so disturbing. He is so disturbing throughout this whole movie, and that is like the pinnacle of it for me. And that's yeah. why I loved it. Just to, to see him finally snap really put me over the edge of that scene. It's yeah, the moment kind of true to the, the character. Right? Yeah, because he thinks he's got it all figured. Like I had it all figured out. This isn't how. Like, and just the way he uses his voice. No, no, just, yeah, no. yeah. I'm like, wow. Like, it's. I was like, this guy is so insane. Yeah, so that, insane. Right, and that's to me. That's the scene that now we get him fully complete, un, completely unmasked. First, the scene in the diner where they arrest him, and then that scene there. You get to see mm-hmm. him fully, really, for the first time facial expressions and all which is where you really like okay this is how Craig you said like now you see how just crazy he really is and how he just snaps um it's an excellent scene it, it is one of the best scenes in the film and then we get another scene in Arkham with the surprise cameo guest that wasn't really a surprise anymore cuz people pretty much knew it um but of course I'm talking about Barry Keoghan's Joker uh, who I guess, you know, he kind of let the cat out the bag and everyone knew he was in it. I joked about it and I thought people knew, but <laughs> uh turned out I was right. So it, it's been, it was, that's a thing that's been spoiled on the internet for a very long time. Yeah. It just, we finally got confirmation. Hi, Leia. From it. Leia's yeah. Here. Leia's here guys. <laughs> you hear her in the background. Uh, Leia is snoring away. Uh, so what did Reno? You're obviously we all know you're a big fan of the Joker. So what did you think of that that scene right there? Gotta be honest, it's my least favorite scene of the movie. I thought it was a little bit unnecessary. I like it for one specific reason. Uh, even though like the interaction is just between um, the Riddler and the Joker, that makes it the first time that we have a Batman movie. Uh, that features the core four villains since 1966. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's something uh, I I was really happy to get. I would have loved to uh, to see the villains in the same movie, uh, either in a Burton film or uh, I think Schumacher was planning to do that with uh, Batman Unchained. And it's something that I also wanted out of the Christopher Nolan movie. So as I've said, even though they he only has like a quick little scene with the Riddler and he doesn't meet like Catwoman or Oz, uh, the fact that all of them are present in the movie, uh, I wouldn't cut it just for that. But beside, besides it, I mean, it's not really something that's necessary to the film. It's a, it's a nice little thing. Just I wasn't over the moon well, we about know, it. We know there's so apparently there's more. Um, they shot more with him, so I guess we'll see that on the Blu-ray. Damn it, or, WB! Whatever. You're always interfering. <laughs> but uh, Pete, do you want to see uh another Joker, like a fully fledged Joker in this world, or would you be happy with him just kind of being in the periphery? Uh, the the thing about that scene for me is. Like, I was so hyped on seeing this movie. Like, this scene didn't, like, it didn't, like, I was like, oh, man, this is amazing. Like, it was just, like, it was just, for me, it was just kind of like another scene. But I I appreciated what the Joker said, if that is the Joker, you know, Gotham loves a comeback. And it's like, okay, cool. So, like, if we can get, like, I don't know, I'll be down for a Riddler-Joker team-up 
in a future film like that like reno said having the the big four villains you know in this movie is a big deal and kind of having that team up would be something special in my opinion but um yeah i mean i would be cool if he teased him until the third movie i'd be cool if he did it in the sequel i don't know like someone's got to break the joker out of arkham maybe there's a hard mm-hmm. coin out there i have no idea but whatever matt reeves has in store for us i'm down um it's it's a cute little thing but you know, everyone tells me, like, I don't know too much about this Barry Coegan guy. Um, everyone tells me you don't cast this guy in just a cameo role for nothing. So if he's going to play a larger part, so be it. I'll be here for it. Um, uh, but at this point, I'm just I'm living in the moment. I'm loving the movie. Uh, if Matt Reeves does the Joker in some aspect in the future. Great. If he doesn't, that's OK. Um, it, it's I, I can't it'd be hard for me to call this Batman definitive without a Joker. You know, uh, so there's that. It's kind of like how I'm like, I don't know. It's kind of like how I can't call Tom Holland's Spider-Man definitive while fighting Tobey Maguire's Green Goblin. So it's a little <laughs> weird, um, in my opinion. So there's that. Uh, but, you know, I- I'm down for it. Uh, but again, it's it's up to the director, whatever the story he wants to tell. Like, I would never have told uh, a Riddler story like this. But you know what? I'm glad I got it now. So I'm all, I'm all for whatever Matt Reeves has in store. Yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of in the same space. I don't feel like we need a Joker here. Um, it's fine if he's around, like I said, if he's kind of in the periphery or kind of pulling strings or doing something like that. I could I could be okay with that. Or I've heard they might use him as a Cannibal Lecter type character, something like that, maybe. Um, where he's used as a you know kind of an informant or just to help him get Batman to get through cases. That might be a cool way to to handle the character. I just I would like to see other villains this time. And I know you're right; it's hard to do Batman without having Joker. Uh, be definitive anyway. But um, I'd like to see other villains brought into the world. Uh, I've mentioned Hugo Strange in the past. I think he'd be good in this. If we get a Robin, maybe they'll bring a Tony Zuko character in, another mobster. That'd be great. All uh, right, having something like that where you have um. It would obviously would fit in this world too, especially now there's a, a vacancy and Oz clearly is going to be the guy going for that spot, but, you know, add another uh, wrinkle to it by adding maybe Tony. Maybe Zuko Hugo Strange runs Arkham. Right. Like something like that, where you can um, just build out this world a little bit more. That's just my, my opinion. If we get Joker, I love Barry Keoghan as an actor, so I'd be perfectly fine if he's the guy and they continue going forward and they do that. I dug him in Eternals. Yeah, he was good in Eternals. He definitely was. Um, so I'm definitely down for whatever they want to do. Like you said, Reeves gave us this great movie. So wherever he feels like he wants to go, I'm 100% there uh, with it. We do know one place he's definitely going, and you brought this up before, Pete. We do know we are getting a Penguin series on HBO Max. So it's been ordered. It was um, Deadline, the article on yes. Deadline. It has been ordered, so we are getting this story now. Um it's going to be awesome, I'm sure. Uh, as we know, like we said, we all thought Colin Farrell really stood out in this movie, so more of him is perfect. And uh, I'm looking forward to this. So, Reno, how do you feel? I know you're probably looking forward. You said before you're looking forward to Oswald. Uh, what do you want to see, though? What do you want to see with, with where he goes? Do you have any kind of idea of what, where you'd like to see, what story you'd like to see them tell? Uh, just something that that is very uh, mob driven, uh, set in Gotham. I there's nothing really that I want to see, like in particular. Like I trust Reeves and his team. Uh, just 
show me character growth with the character uh character growth with the character of course <laughs> just show me character growth with the penguin um is rise in the the mafia of gotham city uh maybe some sort of gang war i don't know it, it's gonna take place after the batman or before it's i'm not after. sure it's after okay because i mean it could have been after. set earlier maybe i was thinking maybe we would see colin farrell as we kind of know him and then he would either like uh, uh slowly tra- transgress into the look that they have established for the the movie let's say it would have been a prequel so if it takes place after uh yeah uh i want a good mob story what i'm what I'm really not concerned about, but I really hope that they can match the production quality of that movie. Because a lot of time when you have a spin-off from a film uh, on the small screen, you can tell there's not the same budget involved. Even with premium channels like HBO, and I, I hope it won't be the case. I really want it to look good on screen. I want Gotham to look the same. Uh, not like a knockoff from the one we saw on the big screen. Okay. Yeah. All right. So I Pete, would, I'd ahead. like to see, uh, I, I thought we would maybe see some sort of power struggle between Oswald and Falcone, but obviously that's not going to happen. Um, maybe something, maybe Maroney gets out of prison. You know, Maroney was mentioned throughout this movie numerous times. We never mm-hmm. see him. But Maroney's kind of the reason for what what goes on throughout the film, you know? Yeah. So maybe Maroney gets out uh, and Falcone's dead. So now Maroney wants to take back control of the family. Oswald doesn't want to give back control. So therefore you have these two guys duking it out. I think that would be fun. But if it's just Oswald running amok in Gotham City, just taking what he can and whatever he wants, I'm all for that as well. And we'll see what happens. I just – everyone knows how much I love uh, – the penguin. So uh, I'm just the fact that the penguin's getting a TV show is like I'm like man, what a time to be alive. I'm not right. going to complain about the the release date change if you're going to make me a penguin show. So I got so yeah. much on my plate right now, I can't complain about anything. Yeah, uh, like we we could get into all that, but we're not going to on this show. We could continue to talk about the Batman because there's stuff we haven't even touched on yet. It's a three hour film. I mean, we <laughs> there are parts of the the story we didn't even get to, but. We have to wrap up right now. We're going to shut this one down. Uh, so, Pete, actually, no, we'll start with Reno. Reno, yes. thanks for coming on, brother. My pleasure. And if people want to get in, if people want to get in touch with you, can they? <laughs> Probably yes. not. Uh, yeah, they can on <laughs> either uh, Instagram, Blade Runner underscore Reno, or uh on facebook through the straight out of gotham group they can tag me or whatever i'm very responsive i'm no longer on uh twitter i've got nothing else yeah we miss you there man (laughs) yeah but (laughs) it's a social media platform that's i mean all of them have their level of toxicity but that one really it's just it's a nightmare to be on at this point so we can yes we we if we didn't i I often say if i wasn't doing this show and other things i don't know if i'd be on twitter so i kind of agree with you when it comes to that regard uh but again thanks for coming on man i we love having your insight 
Uh, Pete, tell them where they can find you and everything you got going on because it's it's a lot. Uh, you can find me on social media. That's Twitter, Instagram, and Zach Snyder's favorite platform, Vero, at Pete Illustrated. You can follow podcast number one, the podcast you're listening to right now, Straight to Gotham, at straight underscore O underscore G on both Instagram and Twitter. We have a Facebook group and a Facebook fan page. Uh, consider following both and joining the group because there's a lot of great discourse there. You can follow podcast number two, the entire the Italian Spider-Man Coalition podcast. It's a podcast I co-host with Chicago's finest, Nico and Nick Caruso, the father and son dynamic we all love. Uh, that's at Italians for Spidey. Um, you could follow my reviews of Detective Comics on BatmanOnFilm.com and Batwoman, by the way, everyone's favorite TV show on the CW. Uh, you can also check out my toy reviews on Batman on Film YouTube. You can check out my interviews with Tara Strong and Michael Uslin on Batman on Film YouTube. Check out at Team Yellow Ovals. We are very excited for the Yellow Ovals return in print as well as in Andy Muccietti's uh, most recently uh, shifted uh, the Flash movie, <laughs> and as well as the Batgirl uh, movie on HBO Max starring Leslie Grace. So that's really exciting. A lot of good stuff going there. Uh, hit me up on Twitter. Let's have some fun. Let's have some good conversations about our uh, favorite Cape Crusader. Yeah, guys. So as Pete mentioned, there there was some shifting of movies. We'll we'll get into that probably on the next show. Uh, we'll talk about it a little bit more. Um, but they're still coming. None of them were canceled. So that's, that's right. They're not canceled. None of them were canceled. So they are coming. They're just going to be a little later, but you can always buy some Kleenex. (laughs) As you guys know, you can find me on Twitter at finale 30. Um, finally 33 spell finale 33. Same on Instagram. Check me out over there. Pete went through all of the Facebook stuff. So I'm also there. You guys can find me also in the Batman on film group. I'm in there as well. We all, we talk about a lot of the same things, but uh, different fans in, in some of the spaces. So it's a lot of fun to do. I keep mentioning this. It is coming again. My New York Knicks centered podcast called all nicked up. <laughs> I will be dropping the, I'll be dropping the first episode shortly this season. Oh, you've pl- recorded. Yeah. This season has played out the way I uh, planned on it. <laughs> so it, it's a lot easier for me to, to, it's a lot easier for us anyway, to talk about all the problems when the team isn't playing well. So it's kind of working out well. Uh, you know, and maybe next time we'll we'll talk a little bit of baseball too because the strike is over or the lockout, it was a lockout is over. It was not a strike, right? The lockout is over. I'm sorry, you corrected me. The lockout's over, so we'll get into that maybe on the next show because, as you know, Pete is a huge Yankees fan, and that's all the free agencies happening now. And we like to give you a little bit of everything on straight out of Gotham. Fire Cashman. <laughs> oh boy, see guys, it started already. Okay. So I don't want Cashman fired. Well, a lot of people do. So I uh, well, yeah, on Twitter, <laughs> there's a lot of crybabies. <laughs> yes, comic sir. book Twitter, on film Twitter, and in sports Twitter. Yes. So, all right, that's going to put a bow on this one. So for Reno and Pete Vera, I am Eric Colesman. You are listening to Straight Out of Gotham, and we will see you next time. Booyah! <laughs>